welcome to the Hell Project podcast. This is where I share all of the results of the research and reading that I've done on the doctrine of hell over the last few years. Uh, I defend the view that uh, without Jesus, we are all dead. Uh, This is the view called conditionalism, and I believe there's better news in it than the traditional understanding of hell. And I try to defend that here. The audio quality may not be that high as it's taken off my YouTube channel and unfortunately some of the streams do have technical glitches but I hope that you stick with it and uh, do let me know what you think, share, uh, get involved through Twitter or even comment on my YouTube channel. I look forward to hearing back from you. Enjoy the show. Hello, I'm back with another video and I've moved house, so that's the reason for a few weeks of not recording anything and uh, it's good to be back. I'm looking forward to creating a bit more content and engaging uh, more through the channel about why uh, hell is not eternal torment and there's good news and Jesus offers us life as opposed to death rather than some form of suffering. And so I'm going to be exploring more content and engaging a little bit more and testing out live streams as well. I think that'll be a good way to get content out there quicker. So watch this space. My last video was about uh, Hades and Sheol and how they're not uh, the place of judgment um, or the lake of fire. Um, do watch that video if if you've not watched it. Um, I also explain a bit more about conditional immortality as an introduction in one of my early videos. So I, I would highly recommend you watch those if you haven't yet. In this video, I will be looking at the language of hell again, but this time the specific word Gehenna, which is used by Jesus uh, 11 times and then a 12th time by James, but no other New Testament author uses the term Gehenna. So I'm going to look at why that might be, give you the geographical history of the word, the language, um, and then the language of judgment behind that word, and why it isn't a good argument for the traditional view of hell. Now this might seem a little bit like a study, Uh, this might seem a little bit like a lecture, Please bear with me. I think this is really important. I think it's a really strong case for conditional immortality. If I'm wrong, put it in the comment below. But a lot of what I've done uh, in studying this has come from uh, a very thorough book called The Geography of Hell called by Kim Papiano. I hope I've pronounced his name correctly. Um, but let's dig in. So the geography uh, around Jerusalem, you might be like me a little bit unsure of it um, partly because you've never been there Um, but there is a valley called Gehinnom or Geben Hinnom if you are Hebrew or speak Hebrew I'm sorry about my pronunciation which basically means Gehinnom or Gehenna Uh, it's the same place it's all the valley of Hinnom or the valley of the sons of Hinnom for this whole essay I will be using the word Gehenna and it is linked to this valley that's located south-southwest of Jerusalem, connected to the Kindron Valley, uh, and has a long history throughout the Old Testament uh, connected with death, incidentally. You can see more of the um, sources that I use and the connections that I make uh, on my website, thehellproject.online, 
and you can see the script for this uh, in essay form um, and I'd recommend you look at that. The first time we hear about the Valley of Hinnom is in 2 Chronicles and it connects the valley with King Ahaz and Manasseh who sacrificed children uh, to the god Molech on their altars which are known as Topheth or which are often translated as burning places within uh, various translations. Uh, there's another king called Josiah, and he destroys these burning places, these altars. He desecrates them by burning the bones of the dead on these altars, which desecrates them and cleanses um, Judah and Jerusalem. Uh, the prophet Jeremiah would have been alive when King Ahaz and Manasseh were killing children on these altars he knew what uh, those altars were he had lived the history and he in chapter 19 of jeremiah starts to point to the valley as a valley of slaughter it will become the valley of slaughter in the day of god's judgment and jeremiah repeats this connection multiple times uh, throughout the book and though it may be that he was talking about the Assyrians and the judgment that they would face uh, in, in major battle there is a clear evidence that the ancient writers specifically the prophets view time very differently from the way we do now and I highly recommend uh, a six-part series by the Bible Project called On the Day of the Lord and it highlights the emphasis that time is not necessarily linear points of time like we would view it but more like seeing future events through current ones and so the day of the lord talks about specific points of judgment but also about the culmination and destruction uh, of babylon and all evil at the end and so you see throughout the bible this phrase the day of the lord that talks about multiple points in time all at once and this may be what Jeremiah was doing when talking about the Valley of Hinnom. Jeremiah isn't the only prophet to mention judgment in a valley. And though uh, there are several, um, Ezekiel and Joel both do this, we're only going to really focus on Isaiah because Isaiah is the most alluded to Old Testament prophet in the New Testament. And so there's two particular references that I will link to. The first is Isaiah 30, 33. It's important because it references Topheth, or as the ESV translates it, a burning place. And this is made ready for the king of Assyria, and it's kindled by the breath of the Lord, uh, whose breath is likened to a stream of sulfur. We've already connected Topheth with the valley of Gehenna, and we've also connected to great evil happening on these burning places these altars and so god's judgment is a sign of hope that justice will prevail over the evil and atrocities committed in uh, our world our world is broken there is mess there is pain there is suffering people are oppressed and so the judgment has always come with a sign of salvation that those who are oppressed and under uh, evil and atrocities they will have hope and will be saved by the warrior god who will destroy his enemies god's judgment brings hope and we also see that god's judgment brings death on those who are evil and reject him 
He doesn't torment them. And we can see this as well in Isaiah 66, 24, which says, They shall go out and look on the dead bodies, they being the righteous, the dead bodies of the men who have rebelled against God. For their worm shall not die, their fire shall not be quenched, and they shall be an abhorrence to all flesh. Those who are alive will feel contempt for those who have died. This makes sense of the culture at the time as well to be unburied to be left out for worms for food for fire as a dead person would be a shameful thing to know that that is where you're headed the that that is your legacy and before we get to jesus's teaching on gehenna i want to emphasize the fact that throughout jeremiah throughout isaiah throughout all the old testament prophets throughout the entire old testament there is no evidence of torment and torture or any ongoing experience for those who die without God's grace. That is really important. And actually some of those who have argued for the traditional view have also noticed this. And you can see that in Erasing Hell, the book by Francis Chan and Preston Sprinkle, who the latter incidentally now holds the view that I do. So we move on from the Old Testament, going into Jesus' teaching, who is the uh, main user of the word Gehenna. The only other person out of the 12 references in the New Testament is James. And if you want more about uh, Gehenna, do go on to my website to see uh, the more detail that I put in to uh, this study. So Mark 9 is the only reference to Gehenna in the book of Mark. And... It is a very tough passage to work through. Um, There are connections to Old Testament passages. There's a structure to it that may not uh, read naturally to us. But he is very clearly directly quoting Isaiah 66, 24 by making reference to the worm that doesn't die and the fire that uh, cannot be quenched. Mark's uh, audience was not necessarily uh, Jerusalem-based. He would have to... qualify the word Gehenna with an explanation as to what this connected to and he connects directly to a valley of judgment Gehenna the valley of judgment we already have looked at the valley of slaughter is what the valley of judgment becomes and so it's quite a straightforward way of reading Mark 9 then in that to lose your limb to save your life as opposed to death which you lose your whole body Um, this makes far more sense of the language in mark 9 than interpreting it with eternal torment and being eaten by worms and an ongoing experience of uh, being tormented by fire we then see far more of this in luke um, which has only uh, one direct reference to get as well Though Luke does record many references to judgment through his parables, uh, the use of Gehenna is in Luke 12, verse 45. And he's talking about the hostile nature of the the crowd around them while he's teaching the disciples. They seem to be pressing in on them. They seem to be almost trampled. And Jesus tells them, do not fear those who can kill the body. And after that, there's nothing more they can do. This is, he then carries on and says, Fear him who, after he is killed, has authority to cast into Gehenna. Yes, I tell you, fear him. Now, many have used that 
uh, authority to cast into Gehenna to imply that there is an ongoing existence in Gehenna. Uh, there is no understanding of existence in Gehenna up to this point. And so it doesn't make sense that Jesus would suddenly throw in this idea that in Gehenna they're going to be alive when the Old Testament has clearly said that Gehenna is a place of death. So there might be some difficulty with the idea that God does the killing. And I can understand that. Uh, we understand God to be the giver of life. But others have read this to mean that it's Satan that kills. Uh, and we're told to fear. Well, Jesus is saying to fear the devil here. And that, that doesn't make sense of the passage. We're never told to fear the devil. Never told to fear the evil one. We're told to resist him. And he will flee from us because of Jesus in us. And so the whole background to judgment in Jeremiah and Isaiah points us to see Luke 12 as pointing to the ultimate destruction of those who were cast into the valley of Gehenna. So to emphasize this connection with uh, the destruction and death of those who oppose God is the parallel passage in Matthew 10:28, which is far clearer about what happens in Gehenna. A similar situation, the disciples are headed to a place where they may well be stoned, beaten, um, potentially killed. And Jesus says to the disciples, do not fear those who kill the body but cannot kill the soul. Rather fear him, that's God, who can destroy both body and soul in Gehenna. And destroy, the word does mean kill, though that will require another video to show that, uh, relying heavily on those who understand Greek better than I. Maybe I'll do a live stream with someone who can explain that further. But it's quite clear and makes better sense of this passage to see that God is warning those <laughs> around who might be listening to his teaching. Jesus is warning those around that those who go to Ge Gehenna are completely and utterly destroyed, body and so on. And the most common response to this is it's is people emphasize the word can in this and they say, well, it says God can destroy both body and soul. It doesn't mean that he will. I I cannot empathize with that argument. I think it's a ridiculous argument. It's like saying the warning packets on cigarettes, the warning pictures. It doesn't say the cigarettes will kill you. It says they can kill you. Well, that's true. But they the reason we say they can be killed is because they do kill it makes no sense to see it any other way and so jesus is warning us that those who are thrown into gehenna will be killed will be utterly destroyed both body and soul so seek life <laughs> seek life in christ that is what he's saying find your peace in christ you do not have to fear death you do not have to fear anyone else because jesus gives us life and so to summarize, Gehenna was a geographic location which was used to prophesy uh, the judgment of God and that would become the valley of slaughter that Jesus then used to become a symbol of judgment and what would happen to those who faced God uh, and weren't in the book of life. There is no sign that Gehenna means anything about eternal torment. Yes, there's this language of a, a worm that doesn't die and a, a fire that isn't quenched, but that speaks more of the amount of corpses uh, and the aspect of the fire that cannot be put out by a third party 
rather than the corpses being alive. Uh, that's reading into the text a view that is not there. And so the, fi the final point that here to look at is that the New Testament authors don't use Gehenna. What they do use is eternal destruction, death, perish, consume, and eternal fire. Now, the last one, and maybe even the first one, with the use of eternal, does need more explanation. But, trust me, it does make more sense when we dig into that a little bit more. And there's a lot here to um, keep discussing. And have you ever been taught about the word Gehenna? Have you ever understood it to, to mean anything other than uh, eternal conscious torment? Have you heard someone argue that Jesus uses, uh, talks about hell more than heaven? What do you think of this concept that Gehenna is a valley of slaughter, that God's judgment will destroy those who oppose him rather than torment him? It's not a soft image, but I just want to emphasize that for those of us who are in Christ, judgment is a hope that those who are oppressed, those who are downtrodden, those who are facing utter evil, despicable evil, know that there's a God that will wipe out all evil and one day we will have a creation created to live with our God, with our maker, with no death, no mourning, no more pain. And that is the eternal hope that we have. Judgment is God reacting to the suffering, to the problem of pain and ultimately wiping it out. The way of the wicked will perish and that is the hope that we have my name is Phil Duncalf and this is The Hell Project. See you soon. Thank you for listening and I want to know what you think. Do get in touch. As I said at the beginning of this podcast, you can do that through uh, Twitter or my YouTube channel. But I also have the scripts and free resources and other studies that I'm continuing to engage with at uh, thehellproject.online thank you so much for listening if you'd like to support the channel and uh, the show in any way please do go into the description of this episode and you can find a paypal link otherwise i do this all for free and i hope you found it helpful god bless you see you later